The Jerusalem Channel is made possible by viewer support. Thanks for watching. Jesus said, in the world you're going to have tribulation. But he also said, be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. So Jesus clearly told us that we'll have our share of trials, sorrows, and persecution in this life. The word translated as tribulation means pressure, especially when we feel there's no way of escape. We're in dire straits, hemmed in as it were. While none of us is immune to trouble, the Bible also describes a time of unprecedented distress that will be different from anything the world has ever experienced to date. But the question is, will the church, the called out ones, experience this unique time of unprecedented trouble? Should we be looking for the Antichrist or should we be looking for the Lord. Hello, I'm Christine Darg. In recent months, the Islamic State has made its intentions toward Coptic Christians in Egypt very well known, calling them a favorite target. The latest series of barbaric attacks left more than a hundred Christian cops dead and scores wounded in just the last few months alone. The Northern Sinai has been declared by the terrorists as Christian-free, to use a similar phrase that the vile Nazis applied to Jews. ISIS is claiming the Northern Sinai has been cleansed of Christians. The people of the book, both Jews and Christians, are their stated targets. Recently in Egypt, terrorists waited on the road like game hunters to kill a convoy of Christians in three buses on their way to a spiritual retreat out in the desert. One of the buses was filled with Sunday school children. Only three children survived the ambush. The terrorists demanded that victims recite the Islamic Declaration of Faith or be shot dead. At least 29 were killed. We need to know that Copt means Egyptian, and the Coptic Christian community were the original Egyptians. They existed in the Bible land of Egypt long before the Islamists took over. But the Coptic community has remained peaceful and largely isolated. Presently, Coptic Christians account for about 10% of Egypt's population, and they're the largest Christian community in the Middle East. In our generation, Coptic Christians, as well as many Iraqi Christians, have been teaching the body of Messiah how to die with dignity when persecution happens. Many survivors have forgiven the terrorists, and a recent TV interview in Egypt is said to have impacted many Muslims in the nation when a Christian was interviewed and forgave the perpetrators of another recent church massacre. In 2015, when 21 Coptic Christians were beheaded by ISIS terrorists on a beach in Libya, they became modern martyrs who demonstrated to the world what it means to die with dignity for the faith rather than capitulate to evil.
as horrible as sufferings have been throughout history, on up to the Armenian genocide, the sufferings of Christians under communism, the sufferings of Christians in North Korea, and now the horrific tragedies of Christians tortured and beheaded by ISIS. Many Bible scholars believe that these tribulations do not fulfill in full measure what the Bible speaks of as the time of the Great Tribulation. And the question keeps coming up among evangelical believers. Will the church, the body of Messiah, go through the time of God's wrath and overflowing judgments during the Great Tribulation? You see, on the one hand, Jesus forewarned his followers always to expect tribulation as long as we're in the world because this world is a battlefield. It's a spiritual boot camp in preparation for eternity. But both the prophet Daniel and the Lord Jesus described a period of time in world history that will be unprecedented in tribulation and cataclysms. According to Daniel 12.1, this time of worldwide distress will be unlike anything that's ever happened since the beginning of nations. Jesus referred to the book of Daniel when he gave his disciples an end-time briefing on the Mount of Olives. The disciples had come to Jesus asking for the sign of the end times. Among the signs that Jesus gave in Matthew chapter 24, he said that a key sign would be when you see standing in the holy place the abomination of desolation described by the prophet Daniel. And at this point, the gospel writer says, let the reader understand. In other words, pay attention. Many prophecies have been sealed. But as predicted in the book of Daniel, in the last days, the book of Daniel will be unsealed. And some theologians who are called preterists say that Matthew 24 has already been fulfilled at the time of the desecration and destruction of the second Jewish temple. But other scholars say that those fulfillments in 70 AD were antitypes. They were foreshadowings of the Great Tribulation. And those prophecies will have more than one fulfillment. Jesus warned, after the abomination that makes desolate, let those who are living in Judea flee to the mountains. He said, if you're on a housetop, don't take time to go down and pack your bags. Get out. And he said, how dreadful and inconvenient it'll be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. So he said, pray that your escape won't be in the winter or on the Sabbath, because practicing Jews can't travel on the Sabbath. Then Jesus said in a key verse in Matthew 24, 21, for then, he said, there will be great tribulation, not just tribulation, he said, great tribulation that would be unequaled from the beginning of the world until now and he said it'll never be equaled again so the future great tribulation is going to be a unique unparalleled period of a time of trouble now the word translated tribulation in matthew 24 21 is the identical word for tribulation in john 16 33 where Jesus said, in the world, you're going to have tribulation. But in Matthew 24, 21, Jesus says it's not going to be just tribulation, but great, unparalleled tribulation. 
Now, since Scripture has the authority to interpret Scripture, I'm going to take you now to the apocalyptic book of Revelation in the back of the book where there's a reference to the Great Tribulation. So we're going to look at chapter 7 where the Apostle John saw a scene of a great multitude all wearing white robes. And he said, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no man can number of all tribes, from every nation, from every people and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. And they cried out with a loud voice, and they cried out, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Then in verse 13, one of the elders asked him, Who are these people dressed in white robes and where did they come from? And John answered that he had no idea. But then he was told in verse 14 that these are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. So this is a special category of saints who are martyred during the Great Tribulation period. This verse in the New Testament is the companion to Jeremiah 37 in the Hebrew Scriptures, a time called Jacob's Trouble, that verse describes. It says, How awful that will be! Alas, for that day is great, and neither is there any other day like it. For it is the time of Jacob's trouble, but he shall be saved out of it. So now I have to ask, what do all of these verses that I mentioned so far have in common? Jeremiah 37 that I've just read about Jacob's trouble, Daniel 12, 1, Matthew 24, 21, and Revelation 7, 14. They all refer to a time of unparalleled, unprecedented, great tribulation, unlike anything the world has ever experienced. Even though there's so much suffering among Christians at the moment, and many have been enduring unspeakable persecutions, the Bible nevertheless describes this specific time of unique worldwide trouble that will be in a category all of its own. The book of Revelation describes unprecedented cataclysms and pestilences during this short period of judgments when God's stored-up wrath is poured out on a rebellious world. Now, there's an important verse in Luke 21, 36, where Jesus instructed his followers to pray, to be counted worthy to escape the terrible things coming upon the world. Although believers have always been called to carry our individual crosses and to suffer for the name of the Lord, the question remains, is the true church, the body of Messiah, destined to experience the time of God's vengeance when his wrath is poured out on a God-rejecting world? Well, Paul has some answers, and in Titus 2.13, the Apostle Paul said that the blessed hope of every believer is the glorious appearance the sudden manifestation of our great God and Savior, Jesus the Messiah, returning. And when he appears, the dead in Christ will be raised, and then those of us who are alive and 
remain will be instantly changed and caught up in the clouds with the resurrected saints to be forever with the Lord. The question is, when does he come for his church? Before the great tribulation? In the middle of the great tribulation? Or does he come after the great tribulation? If we have to wait until the end of the tribulation, should we, for example, be stockpiling food? Well, years ago, my husband and I met some preachers who loved Israel and end-time prophecy, and these preachers made part of their living by selling freeze-dried food for the end times. I suppose the food we bought from them has been in storage for more than 40 years. I'm wondering if it's now turned to powder. On the other hand, I do believe in supernatural preservation. But how much better to prepare myself for the sudden appearance of the Lord? Because he says he's coming like a thief in the night when the world doesn't expect him. But believers are in the dark that that day should overtake us like a thief. So rather than stockpiling food, shouldn't I be working on getting rid of all of the spots and wrinkles in my character so I won't be ashamed at the Lord's appearing? Now, if we're looking for Jesus to come for his bride, we're watching for the bridegroom. But if we believe that we have to go through the great tribulation, we're more likely to be watching for the Antichrist. And who do you think God wants believers to be looking for? Well, if we'll only believe the Bible, it clearly teaches that the messianic kingdom of Jesus, when he returns, will be a literal, earthly, real kingdom. And I believe there are many reasons for a pre-tribulation rapture, a pre-tribulation departure of the true church before that messianic kingdom. You see, the church and the nation of Israel are not the same entities. There's an important verse in 1 Corinthians 10.32, and it makes it very clear that the church and the nation of Israel are separate entities. So many theologians and churchmen over the years have confused these two. But in 1 Corinthians 10.32, Paul mentioned that there are three groups of people in this world, all distinctly different. He said, give no offense, neither to the Jews nor to the Greeks, meaning to Gentiles, and give no offense, he said also, to the church of God. So here he describes three distinct groups on earth. We have Jews, we have Gentiles, and the church. Now the church, by the way, does consist of both Jews and former Gentiles. But in the church, Jews and Gentiles have been uniquely joined by God into a new species in the earth called the one new man, the church, the body of Messiah. And it's neither exclusively Jewish nor exclusively Gentile. That's the church, the one new man. So the church is made up of a remnant of believing Jews and former Gentiles. But national Israel is a distinct ethnic group. And the third group besides ethnic Israel and the church are the unbelieving Gentiles who are not a part of Israel and not a part of the church, although potentially they can be saved and be a part of the church if they put their faith and trust in Jesus the Messiah. Now here's another thought, interpreting scripture with scripture. The tribulation is called the time of whose trouble? 
It's called Jacob's trouble. And Jacob is Israel. Remember when God changed the name of Jacob to Israel? And national Israel is different from the church. Both are separate and both are unique. The church is the church and Israel is Israel. Now Jesus said in the Gospels that the very gates of hell will not be able to overcome the church. That's why after the first three chapters of the book of Revelation, the church is missing and not mentioned again in the book of Revelation. However, in the first three chapters of Revelation, there are many references to the church, but not after chapter 4. The church is missing. At the beginning of Revelation chapter 4, the church is completed, raptured and snatched away, and God deals again with Israel in order to redeem Israel because he has never forgotten to keep covenant with Israel. And during the time of the Great Tribulation, the book of Revelation tells us 144,000 Jewish evangelists will teach many Gentiles the way. But in Revelation 13, 7, we learn that the beast to come will make war against the saints and will overcome them. And yet Jesus said, the gates of hell would not overcome his church. But during the tribulation, Satan overcomes the tribulation saints. So they cannot be the church. During the tribulation period, Satan and the beast, the Antichrist, will prevail against the tribulation saints and against the false apostatized church that remains on earth. The true church will have escaped the great tribulation and will not be under the thumb of Satan and Satan's proxies. The church is described in the New Testament as a mystery. The church, the body of Messiah, is in fact a parenthetical body that was birthed on the day of Pentecost and will be completed with the fullness of the Gentiles when the rapture occurs, when the Lord appears in the atmosphere with a shout and with the trump of God, and the church is snatched away. As strange as that may sound to unbelievers, the rapture, the translation of the church, is nevertheless a mystery taught by Paul in, for example, 1 Thessalonians 4:17. And it's taught by Jesus. For example, Jesus said, two will be working in the fields and one will be taken. Two will be sleeping in bed. One will be taken and the other left. Jesus used these examples of daytime and nighttime activity to teach that the rapture will take place instantly throughout the world in all time zones. Now the truth is God sent the Savior to Israel nearly 2,000 years ago, and at Jesus' first coming, tragically, Israel rejected the Messiah. But in His love and mercy, God commissioned the disciples to take the light of God to the Gentiles, to call out believers from every nation. But when the fullness of the Gentiles is complete, the Gentile age will close. The church will be full-grown and taken to glory. Then God will resume His program with Israel, because God never rejected Israel, and he must keep covenant with Israel. The Apostle Paul explained this mystery in Romans chapter 11. And in verse 25, he said, I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own conceits, 
that a partial blindness has happened to Israel, but only until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And then in the next verse 26, he says, and then all Israel shall be saved. Hallelujah. Well, in the Gospel of John, Jesus said to his disciples, don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many mansions. And if it weren't so, I would have told you. But I'm going away to prepare a place for you. And I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. This was a new revelation. The Jews were expecting Messiah to set up an earthly kingdom immediately. They didn't know about this long period of Jesus going away and all the nations having an opportunity to come to Messiah. But today, the national hope of the restored nation of Israel is still for Messiah to come and set up his kingdom. The Orthodox Jews say, we want Mashiach now. Well, Jesus will come the second time, although the Jews will be amazed to see that the Messiah has been Jesus all along. Paul instructed believers to comfort one another with the hope of the appearing of the Lord. So I want to read to you from a passage from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And here Paul says, But brothers and sisters, you are not in the dark, so that this day, the day of the Lord's appearing, should surprise you like a thief. You are all children of light and children of the day. We, not, we do not belong to the dark or to the darkness. So then let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God has not appointed us to suffer wrath. Note, he doesn't say tribulation. He says God doesn't appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up. Well, you can't encourage anybody that they're going to live through the wrath of God, but you can encourage one another that we will receive salvation, as these verses say. And the word salvation also means deliverance. So we should occupy this world until the Lord comes, but at the same time live constantly in expectation of his imminent appearing. Did you know that Jesus himself taught in Matthew 24, 28, that it's a wicked, evil servant who says in his heart, my Lord's coming is delayed. What kind of a servant? The Lord says is wicked and evil. The one who says his coming is delayed. So don't get mad at me. Jesus said it, not me. He said it's an evil thing to state that Jesus is going to delay his coming and that because of the delay, we're going to have to go through all the horrors and the judgments of the great tribulation. You see, if you deny and take away the imminent return of Jesus, then you remove the greatest hope and motivation for service and purification that we have as believers. Because the Apostle John said that every believer who has this hope of the Lord's coming purifies himself. To purify yourself means that you're preparing yourself for the Lord's coming daily. Just as a bride goes through 
regimens and gets herself ready for her wedding. But if you deny and take away the blessed hope, we become lazy and angry and start fighting with one another and we won't be motivated to purify our lifestyle and clean up our act. Well, I have to believe just what the Bible teaches. And the Bible teaches Jesus is going to reign in a real Davidic kingdom here on this earth for a thousand years. And God promised to Israel a kingdom. King Messiah, Yeshua, will rule from Jerusalem from the throne of his father David. So I'm not looking for the Antichrist. I'm looking for the real thing, Jesus, the Messiah. Although I and many other believers may experience in this life persecution and tribulation, I'm not believing to live through the horrors of the great tribulation. I'm looking up for Jesus. And I want to thank my Heavenly Father that He will be faithful and return to Israel and keep covenant with them and give them a second chance. Israel is going to get saved and get grafted back again into their own olive tree supported by the roots of the Israelite patriarchs. Although the great tribulation is described as Jacob's trouble, Israel will be saved out of it. Israel will be delivered and the nation of Israel will then summons the second coming of Jesus with the words, Baruch haba Shem Adonai. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So I pray that everybody watching will be ready for the sudden appearance of our Lord. I hope you'll put your trust in the Lord, the Savior, and that you'll escape the time of the great tribulation. You see, many times Jesus confirmed the validity of his own words by saying, Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto you. And verily is literally, Amen. A word that's left untranslated in the Greek New Testament. Literally, Jesus said, Amen, Amen, I say to you. But nobody ever talked like that. Amen is a response to what someone else says or prays. But Jesus prefaced his own teachings with amen and sometimes with a double amen for emphasis. And in John 5, 24, Jesus said, Amen and amen, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life already. That means if you believe God raised Jesus from the dead and you're willing to confess through the mouth that Jesus is Lord, you possess eternal life now. So I encourage you to keep looking up and doing the exploits of the Lord for He's coming soon and we are preparing ourselves to be ready because we don't want to be ashamed when He appears. Well, I hope this has encouraged you today and the fellowship of like-minded believers is a precious comfort and encouragement in these difficult and dangerous last days. So we can stay in touch and encourage one another through social media and you can visit our website at exploits.tv where you can click online to receive our electronic newsletter, Exploits. You can also download our app to watch our video archive on your mobile phone or tablet. 
And at our website, we post prayer points to help you be an effective watchman on the walls. And so, always contending for the faith and praying earnestly for the peace of Jerusalem, I'm Christine Darg, Maranatha, and Shalom. The Apostle Paul gave us the inspiring imagery of running a good race in life, much as these 3,000 participants in the annual Jerusalem Marathon. Lots of things are happening these days in Israel's ancient capital, and we're here with the Jerusalem Channel to keep you informed of the fast-paced events and news through our daily website updates and regular video reports and biblical teachings. To continue this viewer-supported ministry, we need your help. Please become a part of the Jerusalem Channel by donating. Just click the Donate button on our website to give by credit or debit card. You can also donate by check to our U.S. address or our U.K. post office box. We're here to anticipate that one day soon we'll witness thousands running joyfully through the streets of the Holy City to welcome King Messiah.